position. Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go! The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of the egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which everyone, total meritocracy, everyone, regardless of size, amount of money, regardless of amount of developers, and prospective sales, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know. Uh, join us on Steam and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news. We have the latest titles that we are interested in. Of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews. And then we have, of course, everyone's favorite, the deals. Uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux gaming on, bitches! Welcome to episode number 340 of the Best Linux Games Podcast. Be recorded for you on this Saturday, the 1st of May, 2021, at uh, 1754, 100 hours, fucking 7, or 554 p.m. I'm turning it to retro Nixon already. Uh, West coast, left coast, uh, closest to most time, crack engineer, pow, I have Molina over there in the booth. Hi, boy. How you doing? Hold up the whiskey sign. Good call, Ivor. You're fired. Um. Yeah, let's 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 have some whiskey. Uh, that would, of course, make it for our sequel, friends. 2021, uh, 0501, 1754. Mmm. We got more of a less of a show for you this week, but. Some really good games to talk about, but first of all, in our top stories, uh, we missed Ian Murdoch. Ian, <laughs> Ian Murdoch Day, um, which is a holiday of our own creation. But uh, I've been doing it every four years now, um, and it's my fault because. I didn't realize that I thought that anyway, it was on the 28th he was, uh, Ian Murdoch for those of you who, know, who might not be familiar um, was the Ian in Debian Deb was Debbie, his girlfriend uh, at the time or maybe his wife, I think his girlfriend um, he was born on this day 1973, and unfortunately he died in 2015. Uh, also on the 28th, uh, December 28th, uh, during a mental breakdown and subsequent police chase and mysterious circumstances. But it is from him that we have Debian, on which 
most other surviving Linux distros are based. I mean, it wasn't Slackware, but uh, if you run Ubuntu, you know Debian. If you run Mint, you know Debian. If you run any antecedent of Ubuntu, you know Debian. In fact, it has... Uh, go look it up on the interwebs. Uh, look for the uh, flowchart of... It's a great visual. It's a huge, huge image of the line of dis- the descent of man of uh, Linux distros from its main branches and all of the subsequent distros each have their own separate little flowchart, family tree line uh, descending from each of these and they run parallel from the top of the screen to the bottom as the main branches and then the uh, so like that would be Debian, Slackware etc and then as you scroll from the left to the right of the screen, all the progeny of those main branches just split off into these hundreds of multicolored things, but you can easily trace back each um, the uh, the origin, the original lineage of each distro uh, to its original parent. And I would say that most surviving, I mean, now there's, there's other stuff now. Cause, uh, Boldy was just telling me that he runs Solace. Um, I don't know what Solace is based off of. I've never tried Solace. I, my, I was just telling him my days of distro hopping are long gone. Like, cause I mint whatever fucking, let me see. Uh, but we could actually just use the other command, but, uh, yeah, I'm on Mint 20 Uliana. Sounds like oyulation. Mmm. Which gets my pecker heart every time, a Viking pecker. Um, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Maybe I have Tourette's. Maybe that's like been the problem my whole life. But, uh, my days of distro hopping, are, I mean, I go back to fucking Mandrake and nothing worked. That's how far back I go. And, uh, in the modern era, since I became Linux only, I did, this is about 10 years ago, 12 years ago, I did a fair bit of distro hopping. But eventually I settled on Mint because it's the best computing experience that I could have. But this does, and we, I had an interesting conversation with Bully this afternoon, because um, it does, for me, the thing is, we've come so far, so far apiece from when nothing worked and there was nothing to do to where like now I have multiple monitors can use this to this entire computer I got a ZFS array built into this machine um I can use it for any game almost any games I want almost any games fuck you Sweeney and Epic um and there's very very little functionality that is not um, proprietary. That it that that uh, I can't do or replace uh, in terms of all of my workflows. Um, and Debian was the uh, the the distribution that pioneered this concept. Um, and so we remember Ian Murdoch. I, I I raised a glass on the 28th uh, but I, I always like to mention it on the show as well um, and if you want to, not so much about uh, Ian Murdoch I mean it's so sad that so sad that this guy of all guys had had to die so fucking horrifically young Um, but if you want to learn more about uh, Stallman in the early days of Linux, this is a book that I've not plugged enough. I found it like, fuck, four years ago, three years ago, maybe five years. Time is so hard now. It's so weird to figure out what happened when um, years-wise, partially because I'm getting old, partially because I got COVID twice and I've had COVID brain ever since, partially because of weed and partially because we've all been locked in a 
fucking cage for a year and a half. Um, a cage known as our own minds and our own homes. And for those of us who live alone, it has been rough. Um, but there's a, there, there are two really good books you can get on Audible. And if you want them, either of them, just find me on the Discord and just say, hey, yo, Skooky, what's up? I want them books. And I'll Dropbox them for you because I've ripped them from Audible. And yes, I know that's piracy, but I would rather gift them to you, but I can't because Audible is a subscription-only service now. So I will rip them for you if you if you really can't afford them or whatever. They're two really good books. Hackers, Heroes of the Heroes of a Revolution and Where Wizards Stay Up Late. Where Wizards Stay Up Late is about the infrastructure of ARPANET and it's an amazing book, but we're, but uh, Hackers, Heroes of, of uh, Revolution um, is a phenomenal book. It goes way deep into the MIT uh, Trains Club. Um, it goes way deep into the origins of not just free and open source software, but of software itself. And uh, it's authoritative. It's a magnificent... It, Fantastic book, and it's a great audio book too. Um, I'm, I've only heard it, I've only listened to it. I've never read it, but I've listened to it like five times. Um, I like big long listens. So, like if it's over twenty hours, then I'm definitely I'm all I'm totally all about it. Like the um, Carl Sandburg's uh, biography of Lincoln, I think is thirty hours long, and I've listened to it easily over. Oh, God. I definitely know easily, easily, easily over 40 times um, in the last four years. I I became kind of obsessed with Lincoln about five or six years ago. Anyway, Hackers, Heroes of a, Re- of a Revolution, because of the origin of computing itself, it doesn't go all the way back to, like, Babbage and out of Lovelace, but um, if someone... It, 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 it's great, especially the Stallman stuff, which surprised me because it wasn't uh, a selling point on the book. I didn't even know that Stallman was was really going to be mentioned there. They also have, if you've seen the Netflix documentary on video games that came out last year, um, which I can't remember what it, what it was called. It was a pretty good documentary, multi-part documentary. Um, oh God, Roberta, what's her fucking name? Debbie Hazel was her name. No, uh, Roberta, not Jackson. God damn it. Chick behind Sierra. Um, Hackers Heroes of Revolution covered her extensively in that book, and they basically just cut and pasted all of that chapter of the book into that documentary, and they just kind of like redid it. But it was cool to see her in, the, in that documentary, but it was way cooler to hear all the details of how her and her husband invented Sierra and basically invented uh, computer gaming on the Apple IIe and basically event- invented uh, more or less the adventure game as many of us of a certain age knew it. Anyway, so cheers to Ian Murdoch. Let's have more whiskey. Ivor, you're fired. This is a good idea. Ooh. So, yes, Ian Murdoch, we remember you. And thank you. I mean, it's... it's there In the history of the world, there are few people who have made contributions to society at large that are as monumental and in, and as enduringly important as what Ian Murdoch did with the invention of, of Debian. Um, and it's not just lasting and influential and, you know, f- the echoes of which are felt to this day. No, it is concretely felt to this day by every user of Linux. Almost every user of Linux. If you, if you know. But all of us have benefited, even if you still run Slackware, which would just be insane. Mm. You benefited directly from Debian. 
just from the model and the success of the model and the success of fa- the greater overall false idiosphere. Um, and so, yeah. Next April 28th, put it in your calendar. Ian Murdoch Day. Okay, now to some Linux gaming. First off, uh, Nova Drift, uh, Jeffrey Nielsen, and I've not gone to play this yet. I, I played the shit out of Nova Drift, but Nova Drift right now, as of the 28th, actually, um, which I thought was a Friday, because I thought we were going to be doing this show on Emerg, but then I realized that it wasn't, and so doesn't matter. But Nova Drift, awesome top-down space shooter Nova Drift, um, has added a bunch of features since I last played it, evidently, and on the 28th, they started a speedrun contest. I did not know the game had an ending yet, and I've been quite busy with other shit for this show and other shit in my life. I've not yet played it, but I will be playing it tonight around midnight. Um, I can't wait to see what the fuck's going on. I know that uh, he's waiting until after he moves. He's go- he's doing a big transcontinental fucking move right now. Literally, trans- he's like moving from one side of an ocean to another. Mm. Um, and I know that last I talked to him, he doesn't have plans of like you know having a 1.0 out until long after the move. But it's encouraging that they're still adding features. I mean, this is a huge thing. Like, I didn't even know there was an end to I've spent over 400 fucking hours in Nova Drift. But I haven't been playing it recently. So, if you want to... That was a great time. Evidently, there's a speedrun contest. I, I don't know how that works because the game has no ending. Uh, at least it didn't when I last played it, so I'm excited to see what they've got going on. Uh, Retro Arch... In Steam, for those of you who don't know, RetroArch is like the all-encompassing package for LibRetro and all of its... It's like the front end and the all-in-one for LibRetro. And what does LibRetro do? It it allows you to easily dynamically plug in and download and install and configure various emulators for old gaming systems with varying degrees of success, it's now replaced all other front ends for, like, everything um, on Linux. I wish that we had a really good mess front end, front end that ran better on desktop. There's some, like, there's some gooey stuff in RetroArch that I don't like. Um, and it makes it a little more complicated, but it's a fantastic piece of software especially if you like to run games and emulation. I found out this week that RetroArch on Steam, which provides literally the dream of one-click install of RetroArch, which is not that difficult. It's not hard to install on Linux via, you know, apt or whatever, or whatever package manager you have. But this is like, this is a big deal. They have not opened their playtest of RetroArch to the public but they have added a apply to get, you know, playtest, you know, approval or whatever button to their page on Steam. I clicked it, and it instantly added me to the program, and so I'm now updating all of my uh, libraries of my my ROMs and stuff in RetroArch, which takes like, about four, four hours, depending on how carefully I do it. Um, and so I haven't yet tried it, inside of Steam, but it's still run. it's running right now, it's at like 182,000 uh, uh, I don't know what it's scanning right now it's probably one of my MAME my MAME sets with cabinets and stuff, cause uh, these are all I don't know what it's scanning, but it's 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 working through my emulation library so that's big and exciting um, just click on the button, and I guess they'll add you. Like, instantaneously, they'll they'll just, it, that button instantaneously turned into download or an install or whatever, uh, via the Steam thing. So that's RetroArch, R-E-T-R-O, um, A-R-C-H. I, sorry, I lost my mind there. Um, as we mentioned last week, Battlefield 1, 
I had it running the week before, but then but then BPR and a bunch of other people said to try it with this other thing, and then I fucked it all up, and it doesn't work anymore. So that sucks, but Dead or Alive 6 does work. Now, just as um, our new, in our new and noteworthy, we'll discuss why you should not buy R-Type Final 2 right now. Same applies to Dead or Alive 6, but like way more so. The game is super fun. It's also super expensive. And if you're not content with just the main, I think, 33 characters that you get and their default outfits, you basically have to buy everything else. But the Steam Summer Sale has got to be right around the corner. It's got to be like next month, maybe the end of this month, maybe July. I don't know. I haven't checked. Um, But it has to be coming around soon. And the thing about Dead or Alive 6 just like I mentioned last week, there was one reviewer who said, uh, my friend accidentally clicked buy all DLCs for this, and it was $900. Well, now it'll only be $450. (laughs) Kidding. I'm kidding. It'll still be $900. No, I'm kidding. Um, Lots of people see this game as a blatant cash grab. I kind of do as well. But the thing is, the game keeps adding content that is not meant for every fucking user to buy. The way they are kind of deceptive is that they don't segment out the like chunks of content into... There's 400 goddamn DLCs for this game. Literally, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. And it's mostly costume shit. So if you're not into like, you know, uh pseudo Victorian style uh hentai anime uh made costumes, they don't get those packs. And you have to buy them for each character. And what's cool about this is that it does kind of give you an a la carte approach. Like you can just and nothing is that expensive in of itself. It's all, like, fairly cheap. So, yeah. I got Dead or Alive 6 during the sale last week. It works. It totally works. It's great. Um, and I paid 25 bucks for it, and then I spent another $8 on two other characters and, like, one costume element for somebody. Um, and that seems pretty reasonable. The fact that like the price right now, I think is back to its original sale price, which is like $50 or whatever, is ridiculous. But I do kind of like the a la carte aspect of I can just buy what I want. It's kind of like Street Fighter, um, the last Street Fighter that came out, which I also kind of liked, because you could just but you couldn't just buy one character. You had to buy, like, a set of characters. And I thought that was kind of stupid, because it was more expensive. Like, Dead or Alive 6, I got, um, Rachel, who's gorgeous. Thanks, uh, Shadow Glare, for stopping by the live stream, by the way, this week. Mm. She has, she's this gorgeous, uh, white chick in, like, Chun-Li's costume, but it's all black, and she does straight-up Shaolin Kung Fu. Straight out of virtual the the Shaolin Monk from Virtual Fighter 3, I think. Who was my favorite character from that game. Um, and I like, I like Dead or Alive 6's combat system, and I like its design ethos. Tigo bitties! I want to smash you through the wall! I'll pick you up! I'll throw you down! I'll break your face, bitch! I do find most of the costumes and actually a lot of the character geometry in terms of sheer tickle bitties um, to be disturbingly moderate in comparison to uh, you know the the Dreamcast I think that was Dead or Alive 2 that had just tons of tickle bitties 
it has a slam, it slam, it slam. But it is a great, super fun fucking fighting game with a ton of characters out off the bat. And so you should not buy Dead or Alive 6 until the Steam sale. At which point I imagine that all of the DLCs will be at least half off. I'm hoping for maybe 75% off. Because then... Then we're talking about like I could get like the remaining five characters and like all the costume elements I could ever possibly imagine and more so for probably $25 extra which in a game it's all about the cosmetics it's not all about the cosmetics though because the fighting system is is actually really good it's 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 slightly simple but it's really based on timing uh, that is very tightly keyed to the animation cycles of each move and attack and stuff. So combos can be chained together and switched for most characters with like little hitches in timing that make the game so much more interesting. And the matches are fast, fun, intense, and the AI is great. It has like seven different grades of AI you get points for completing arcade mode I have played it online um, but only once and I ended up getting disconnected I think so I'm not entirely sure if that runs greater if my opponent was in fucking you know North Korea or whatever as if North Korea had the internet but anyway so that's Dare Life 6 you should hold off if you're interested in getting that game just wait until the Steam Summer Sale and hope that it goes on super discount, and if Dead or Alive 6 doesn't go on super discount the widely, the community says that Dead or Alive 5 is even better, but Dead or Alive 5 is 50 bucks but it includes like everything so if they knock, you know, half off of that, I'm gonna get that in the Steam Summer Sale, you know, you can behave accordingly um okay, cool, that brings us to our new and noteworthy, and we got three awesome titles for you I war based him. I was a North American fall when were in my former life. Here are the newest and most noteworthy titles from this week. Oh shit. I guess our new and noteworthy Oh yeah, okay. These two titles that I have on our rundown are not what they're supposed to be. Sorry. Um our new and noteworthy is actually our feature, which is R-Type Final 2. So, Ivor, just, we'll ne- we've never done this. Let's do it. Oh, my God. It's the Libyans. The Libyans! Never gonna let you down. I can read your mind. This week's feature. I can't read you. I can't read you. I can read your mind. Take it, Scooky. The Libyans! Yes, I know we've entered Goofy Ball's area of... We're breaking the Goofy meter here, but I'm neither drunk nor high. Uh, I could edit those out, but I won't, because Ivor is why you're fired every week. This fucking rundown makes no sense! I told you to... Okay! Our feature this week is on R-Type Final 2. Which, in spite of my initial fears, as expressed in the Discord, when uh, the deve- when the publisher was uh, shown as Epic, as the Epic Store, <laughs> which meant EAC, that was prior to its release. The day of its release, they switched the developer and publisher information, and so we're calling this feature with a name like Granzella Inc., you know it's quality. Um, so I played R-Type Final 2, which runs out of the box. And I, let's see, how, how many... Since I've played an hour of R-Type Final 2, which I got yesterday, so sue me. This was such a huge disappointment, though, that actually turned out to be a great thing, because like when I saw that Epic was publishing it. I thought that it would have EAC and that it might not work. No. With Granzella, you know it's quality. Runs great. The game is 
awesome. From the first hour, what I will say, well, I hate that expression. Some key points, though, about Super, or about R-Type Final 2, that one, it's incredibly expensive at $40. You're going to want to wait for the Steam sale or two weeks from now when they drop that to at least half. And during the Steam sale, it'll probably be 10 bucks. Yeah, you know. Who knows? Who knows about the future? But it'll probably be $15. I'm going to say 10 bucks. If we're lucky, it'll be 18 if we're not. Somewhere in that range. Right around there. Um, so I would wait. Because it's 40 bucks and it's a side-scrolling space shooter. The things that... Okay, so... The number one thing you need to know about Super R-Type... Or about R-Type... I don't know why I keep calling it Super R-Type Final 2. R-Type Final 2 is that it's fucking unbelievably hard. Fans of the R-Type franchise who remember how hard it was will be embraced in the warmth and familiarity of this degree of punishment. The second thing you need to know, and those of you who have not been steeped in, you know, the the franchise's traditional one hit, you're fucking dead! <laughs> ethos, will probably find themselves startled as if fucking watching their grandparents have sex instead of the porno that they put on. Next time they put on a porno, it's your grandparents fucking. It's your grandparents, and you're in the porno! It is shockingly difficult. It's great. I love it. It's totally, totally true to its roots, but it will... (laughs) I can imagine some people being startled to shit at how hard this game is. Now, there are many difficulty levels and they do really change the difficulty. Um, I've been playing it on normal. I suck, but I only had one hour to play it, so... and I, I, I was partially stoned one time, and then I was completely fucking baked the other time. Completely fucking baked, I had a better time. But there's also, like, rookie like they're like four four difficulty levels below and above me. It's something like that. Four or three below and above normal. So you can tune it. I did try it on like rookie or whatever for one second. I was like, ah, I can't do this. I gotta get the fucking experience. I gotta see what normal is like for the for the listeners. The other thing, the third thing that you should know about R Type Final Two is that you can customize there are like three different art, there are three different types of ships that are unlocked at the very beginning. You can unlock different equipment and different configurations of ships by progressing through the game. Uh, which is really cool because you, like there's cosmetic shit you can customize, but it's really the um, missile and the bit system that you you know, that seem fascinating to me and have great potential there seem to be like a ton of slots for every configuration of a ship you save and they're all on the main screen so it seems like this is a central focus of the game, I can't get past the third level (laughs) in one hour, I couldn't I meant I, I was gonna try to beat it last night, but I got caught up with uh, other shit. I had kind of a personal disaster thing. Everything's fine, but uh, yeah, hard as fuck. Lots of it seems like the game is focused on upgrades and customization of your weapon configurations, etc. But at its core, it is straight up R type. And it's really good. It's really good. If you liked our type, you will love this. And I like playing the other ship types. Because, like, the Arrowhead R90, R9A, I think it is, the Arrowhead, which is, like, the original R-Type 
fighter. There's two others that you can play as. I've only played as one other, the one, uh, as one of the other ones, and it's not an R series fighter at all. It's this um, laser death gun beam spraying. And for those of you who don't know, R type is very simple. One hit, you die. Two, you get an orb that either attaches to the front or back of your ship. You can shoot the orb in front or behind you and then move it to the front or back of the ship by going in front or behind it and docking with it. Or you can let it hunt on its own. Hunting on its own is different. Oh, and it's invincible. And it can crash it, crash through anything. And you can shoot it off the front of your ship pretty far. Like, and it, it hurts everything that it, it hits. They've added a new thing to this one where that orb, for every shot that it blocks of enemy attack damage, there's a dose meter that I don't even understand what it does. But it's cool that that's a mechanic. So when it's attached to the front of your ship, you're essentially invulnerable to direct hits. In fact, you are. Direct frontal hits. You're you're immune. You can shoot it off in front of you and then all of the other upgrades that you have uh, uh, accumulated during this life, this single life, alter the behavior and the spray patterns and the type of weapons and stuff that it shoots. When it's attached to your ship, it can also shoot missiles. The other thing that you have at your disposal in your ship is your main fire. Cool thing in uh, Final 2 is there's a trigger button in response to the shoulder trigger and it'll just fire the gun as fast as possible. So you can hold that down fairly easily without, you know, straining your hand or having to button mash or whatever because that was a big pain in the ass in some of the if I remember correctly I hated that you had to fucking pound the anyway the other attack that you have available is a charge attack you have a charge meter on the bottom of your screen you hold down the solo attack button until it's charged it takes about two and a half seconds and then you unleash explosive death. There are weapon power-ups that are available throughout, you know, the mission as you destroy the power-up module jumper creature guys. Um, But you can't control the type of... uh, You can't make it cycle the type of upgrade that it is. There's missiles, and then there's your main guns. So far, I've only seen lasers and uh, the red main guns. But I've seen all different kinds of missiles. And then there's um, bombs. You can have missiles or bombs. I prefer missiles. Bombs just go straight down. All of these mechanics are traditional mechanics. But if you can upgrade them, if you can tweak them with unlocks, that's going to be awesome. Finally, I have to say, the entire presentation of R-Type Final 2 is absolutely fucking terrible, which makes it gr- oh wait, this is not final, this is next to final there is like when you start a new game and you set up a new pilot you can choose if you're male or female, pick a name or whatever, I chose Vic Viper because I'm Vic Viper from T310, T3101 I become unstuck in time and now I'm in R-Type yeah it's from Gradius 5. Um, cheers, Ivor. You're fired. But then you get treated to this first-person ridiculous intro cinema. It's very short. And I've turned off this cinema and all cinema sequences throughout all my runs. So maybe that's why this makes no sense. But I know... For I know the fact yeah, that as you, when you start the game, it's very bad, very bad. Because like you're in first person mode and like you're getting into the ship, and some other astronaut, you know, is like in bad voice acting. Is like, are you ready to de- to disembark? 
And then he gives you a choice of responses. It's so lame. Because they obviously... Like, one is thumbs up, one is, you know, salute back, one is wink, one is nod. It doesn't matter. Then it just sends you out into space and you're fighting whatever it is you're fighting. And this is, like, the funniest thing about this game. From what I can tell, there is no introduction cinema. There is no further explanation of anything. So you don't know who you're fighting, why you're fighting it, how many of you there are. There is no story. There is nothing. There is absolutely nothing. Which I find kind of refreshing, because it reminds me of the original art type. But why they stuck in this fucking 30 second thing at the beginning, I don't know. And it really kind of set my expectations for something different than what it is. And what it is, is way better than that fucking terrible, you know, new game cinema thing. It was so bad. It was really bad. Like, I I was blown away. Blown away at the awfulness of it. But the game itself is much better than that. Uh, it's very, it's, it's intense R-type action. The last thing I gotta tell you, by the time you get to the third level, not even that, is by the time I got to the second, or no, the uh, second, either the first or the second boss, I can't remember, um, it struck me how bad the graphics look. And it's, I think, and this hit me last night when I was stoned, it's not that they look terrible. It's that they look... They reminded me of... They reminded me of a, just a much older game. Like a... Like an, an un-anti-aliased kind of PlayStation 2 era... It's weird. It's weird. And then I start to suspect that part of that might be intentional. I don't know how many missions there are, but I will beat them all. But by the time you get to the third boss, like some of the. What's the word I'm looking for? The game looks sharp and crisp and colorful and good. But even in the early levels, like as you scroll, as you know, it's like, it's all in faux 3D. So the track that you're on is taking, it's taking you along basically just a completely horizontal track for the most part. Um, But like, the background is turning. Like, if you're in a tunnel, you'll fly through a curve or whatever. Um, Nothing of, nothing of which changes the orientation of your ship or anything, but the background is almost like rotoscope kind of or whatever. And a lot of the textures look really, really bad. Like, not Fallout New Vegas McCarran Airport bad, because that's the lowest standard I've ever seen ever for any game. That, you know, like where it was not impossible to have good textures or good next generation materials but this game is obviously not next generation materials it's pretty piss poor textures throughout luckily generally speaking you're almost about to die 99% of the time that you're playing the game so you're not paying too much attention to the aesthetics but it is a weird and I think it was done intentionally I'm pretty it has to have been done intentionally um, and some of it looks really cool retro but some of it just like looks like shit I mean really badly like when, when you're flying through the plant level and you go there's like I said there's like this part where the background it pretends like you're going around a curve and it's like a cyber, you know, Hulk of uh, machine facility, but it might as well just be the bulkhead of anything, the interior bulkhead of anything, like it might as well just be a running gunner from 
Is that when? Eh, maybe 2005. Like, it looks... It looks like my first game kind of stuff. But I think it's intentional. And the play mechanics and the enemy design and the level design so far really give the impression that there's actual quality in this, like a severe amount of quality, like a lot of time went into replicating the art type feeling, but allowing you to customize it and expand on it. That's what I'm hoping from art type final two. Alright, we'll close out this week's uh, episode with our deals this week. Right now, um, Steam is doing a Star Wars May the... F- and that, by the way, that was not a review of... Um, R-Type Final 2. I haven't even beaten it yet. I only have one hour logged in it. But it runs. You should wait until the Steam Summer Sale to get it. Maybe then we'll talk more about it. Etc. So, in our deals for this week, we have uh, three deal or two deals. I have where you're fucking fired, man. You're supposed to... Anyway, they're doing a Star Wars weekend. May the 4th be with you. Because it's May, it'll be May 4th. So these deals run through, weirdly enough, now through the 6th of May. Um, and they have two good ones on there. The first one is the entire X-Wing franchise. The original X-Wing franchise. All of which with the upgraded Ultimate Edition or whatever. Which I'll tell you a caveat about in a moment. But all of them I think those include the TIE Fighter games. Pretty sure. I know it includes X-Wing Alliance, which is my favorite. Hang on. Oh! They also have a classic bundle, too. That's cool. Yeah, no, it does include TIE Fighter and X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. And etc. 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 X-Wing Special Edition, TIE Fighter Special Edition, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter Special Edition, X-Wing Alliance Special Edition. Actually, I don't think that's a special edition. Let's see. Let me go to the bundle info. But 74% off. Yeah, it includes X-Wing Alliance. Which is not special edition. These games do not hold up that well unless you remember them well. And there are problems with getting your, you know, if you have a hottest system, you're not going to be using your hottest system because you're going to be yeah. But anyway, it's four games. It's X-Wing Special Edition, TIE Fighter Special Edition, X-Wing Alliance, which is my favorite, and X-Wing versus TIE Fighter uh, Balance of Power Edition. I don't know what that means. But, uh, all of it is 75% off, 74% off at $7.86. It would normally be 30 bucks. I'm getting this later this weekend just for, because I already have X-Wing Alliance, which it does not look great, does not hold up that well. Um, and I can't imagine that any of the other ones hold up that well, but I love them, and I still love them, and now we have better than a Gravis gamepad. Expect to be playing this with a gamepad and a keyboard, is what I'm trying to tell you. And with, you know, the graphics are not spectacular, but the play mechanics are just as good as you remember them, etc., etc., etc. And for $8, you can get four of the most expensive games uh, from you know, from their era. Fuck, this is like 1994, right? I want to say. Anyway, the other game that you don't want to miss if you don't have it in the Star Wars May the 4th Be With You sale runs through March or May 6th is Star Wars Battlefront 2 which we reviewed and featured extensively on previous episodes of the show over the last nine months. One of the best Star Wars games ever made. It's so good. And the multiplayer works and everything works on Linux. Um, Star Wars Battlefront 2 
Ah, oh, such a good game. Hang on, let me let me make sure that this is right. Because Ivor has done such a good fucking job! Good job, Ivor! <laughs> you are your pitiful little bad. Um. No, what the fuck? Here we go. Yeah, it's a, it's Star Wars Battlefront 2 Celebration Edition, 70% off, down from 40 bucks, $11.99. This is a multiplayer-focused game, but with huge amounts of single-player shit. The space combat is phenomenal, especially in multiplayer. Um, and eventually, you'll get sucked into the multiplayer elements, even if you don't like multiplayer games. I don't like multiplayer games that often, either. You will... You will die. For $11.99. Phenomenal. And it's one of the prettiest looking Star Wars games ever made. That's our show for this week. We will catch you next week. Um, Yes, where we will get to the bottom of Ground Branch and Forza 4. Mm. I know Ground Branch runs. I've run it. We were supposed to do it this week, but as we spent too much time on other stuff. So, cheers! Four or five times A good idea. Four or five times Hi there. There is delight in doing things right. Four or five times It is I, E.B. Farnham. Maybe I'll cry. I'll get you a drink. And if I die, I'm gonna try four or five times. Do you like to play? We like to play. I like you. We like to sing. It only runs on Linux. We like to go. Yada yada yo. Four or five times. We're gonna have such fun. Bebop one. You're becoming hysterical. Bebop two. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Bebop three. Yada yada e. Four or five times. Matt Damien. There is no Windows version of weaponized chess. Boy, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. It only runs on Linux. It's not a problem. You alienated part of America. I alienated crazy people. I like it very much. It is I, E.B. Farm. You're becoming hysterical. I'm here. I'm there. I'm fucking everywhere. I'm the Eggman. Burn everything incriminating, including this building. Burn all the White House pets and then yourselves. Burn yourselves first. The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice.